If you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I've been in a series on, in the Troy Church uh, for pretty all summer, mainly, mainly. And we're at Ephesians 6. And Stephen invited me to uh, just take this lesson today for everybody. And I'm sure we'll all be edified and built up by it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, Father, we do so with sobriety, with reverence and with awe, because your word has authority over us. Save us from being cavalier or rebellious or opinionated, and open our hearts and minds to receive instruction from the Lord, even though it comes through uh, my lips of clay and this broken man. But Lord, it's your word, and it's God speaking to us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts and minds to receive from you because we want to know you more, because we want to be more like you. So in Jesus' name, we ask that you feed us from your word this morning and, and educate us in a greater knowledge of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, go eat popcorn. That's how I find Ephesians. Or Gentiles eat pork chops. That's my favorite one. Ephesians 6, and I'm at uh, verse 10, and I'm going to read all the way to, I think, 24. Um, let's see. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also, that, and also for me, that words may be given in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains. This I declare it boldly and I, as I ought to speak. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. He's concluding his letter to the uh, church of Ephesus. This was a circular letter, so it went all through Southwest Asia and circulated around, not just to the church of Ephesus, as did many of Paul's writings. Let's never forget he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And uh, he met for all the churches to read this. It's a highly rated book amongst all scholars because of the beauty of, of the way it's unfolded. Paul takes the first half and he talks about doctrine. The doctrine of the church is mainly what he's talking about. The doctrine of who we are in Christ. He includes in that, of course, by grace you've been saved through faith. That it's not your own works, it's the gift of God. Then he goes on to say, now that you understand that you are regenerated, that you are saved by God, here's how you should live. And so the last uh, three and a half chapters are about duty, 
doctrine and duty. And that's how the Puritans taught their preachers to preach. Every time you give a homily, give the doctrine and the duty. We call it application today. But at the same time, it's such a beautiful outlay that Paul gives us here to help us understand who are we, what are we supposed to be doing, and what does God expect of us. And so we're, he's ending his uh, treatise here by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's almost like a summary statement of everything that he has said already. And so we have to keep in mind two things when we're going through this Ephesians 6 passage. Number one, he encourages us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It doesn't say that you have that mighty power. It doesn't say that you are strong. But in the Lord, you have this power and you have this uh, strength this, that comes from God. So finally, be strong in the Lord. That saves us from going home today and putting on fake armor and pretending like we can attack the devil in our own strength. He will annihilate you if you go out in anything less than the strength of the Lord. We've got to keep that in our minds at all times. The conclusion to Paul's letter is akin to what a Roman military general might say to his troops before going into war. And so Paul uses a lot of allusions in the Bible to communicate divine things. He uses athletics. He uses agrarian illustrations, and he uses military. Why is that? Because all the churches that he preached to were occupied by Roman soldiers. So Roman soldiers were everywhere. They understood the Roman government and the power of the military, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's gone bad through the centuries for the church. They find themselves at the end of the tip of a spear when it comes to the military. But they are used to seeing Roman soldiers all the time. And they're used to seeing Roman soldiers getting geared up for battle, because they wouldn't wear this kind of costume in the city streets. But to go into battle, they wore a certain kind of costume. And Paul's using uh, that Roman soldier to communicate the divine strength that you get when you are in the Lord. Paul borrows uh, borrows how the Roman soldier is clad to communicate a spiritual reality. Say spiritual reality. That saves you again from thinking, i got to get me a breastplate today, or maybe I should wear a helmet around. It's not physical that we're talking about. When we're defending against the evil one, it's a spiritual operation, not a physical one. Verses 11, 12. Why does he use these? Why is he bringing up this metaphor? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul is saying to us, that boss is not your problem. That political party is not your problem. That person who is threatening you or constantly uh, trying to put you down is not your problem. There's something behind it that we have to recognize a spiritual reality that's there. Lest we find ourselves fighting the boss, fighting the teacher, fighting whatever it might be that's in our path. It's always the devil. In the chapter, uh, in the book of Revelation I'm writing, I'm taking a small section there to explain Greek theater. It's fascinating in Greek theater, they didn't have many actors because they used the 
device of masks. And so you might have one actor playing five roles in a Greek theater uh, presentation. One time he can be evil, the next time he can be the hero by the way of the mask. And when you read the book of Revelation, you don't have to figure out who the Antichrist is. You don't have to figure out the beast. It's all the devil. Do you see that? He just keeps putting on different masks. But we spend all our time agonizing. Who is it? Who is it? I can't give it. Stop it. It's all the devil. And in the end, the two con- the contest is faced off by God and the dragon, the serpent, the devil. But that's the contest always going on for us. So the devil wore different masks and deceive you unless you're spiritually alert that Paul is encouraging us to be. Verse 13, he says, put on the full armor of God so that, the, that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. The emphasis here is he's going to Say it, I've I've got here, so I'll I'll get ahead of myself already. But the he 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 says, put on the full armor of God twice. He's he's not wanting us to focus on the individual pieces of armor. We do that in the West. We like to break things down into little pieces all the time. What's this mean? What's this mean? Paul is using a sweeping thought. I want you to wear the full armor of God all the time. And here's what. The, the spiritual reality behind it that it, it means for you. Uh, he says to stand in the evil day. And so we always have to remember and keep on our toes that we're never fighting against a physical person or event or a political party. The fight is with the devil. And if you have struggled to say, well, I'm not sure if I believe in a personal devil, you're in a lot of trouble. Because he's active and alive and he's moving around and he seeks to devour whoever he can. And we see a lot of devouring going on even in the Christian church today. So put on the full armor of God, he says. Now, Paul is alluding to Isaiah 59. And he's talking about God's armor. Now understand this. God is an invisible being to us. We're not pure in heart, so we can't see God. He's invisible. Okay? So if you're having visions, I'm not sure that it's God you're seeing. It could be the the demon can even deceive you into thinking that you're getting spiritual dreams. So we have to always stay on our toes. But it's God's armor that he's he's describing here. Listen to Isaiah 59, 15 through 17. The Lord saw and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw there was no man and wondered that there would be no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and helmet of salvation in his head, on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And so this is God's armor that you're equipped with. But I want you to catch this little nuance here, because I'm trying to constantly steer you away from the physical and understand the spiritual reality behind these comments. Four times in four verses, we are commanded by General Paul to stand firm, to stand. Verse 11, stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, withstand, same word, in the evil day. Now, the evil day is not some tribulation coming up. It's all the time in Paul's mind. 
It's a timeless event. The day is evil because the devil is still uh, trespassing. Now, always understand this. Satan has power. He has no authority. And so nine times out of ten, you just have to call his bluff when you resist him. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. Deception is his number one tool to destroy whatever's in his path, whatever he wants to destroy. Deception. Which is why we're warned again and again in the apostolic writings not to be deceived. But he tells us, uh, verse, verse 13, withstand in the evil day uh, with the full armor. In other words, you needed all the armor on all the time. Now, before we break down each piece, again, it's not Paul's desire to emphasize each piece. He wants you to think about the full armor and what that means. Verse 13, having done all to stand firm. Verse 4, sorry, 14, stand therefore, he says it again, four times in a very short space of time. What does that mean, to stand? It means take up your position. It's a military word. Stand means take up your position. You and I are not the warriors. God is. See, I, I get a little bit... When people say, I rebuke the devil. Okay, you know, be careful, okay? Uh, it's, he's not afraid of you. He's afraid of Jesus. You with me? And he will gobble you up if you don't have proper understanding. He will... He's a nasty player. He doesn't play fair. You and I are not the victors. God is. So to be strong in the strength of his might, you, are not, you and I are not tough against this enemy. We're mortal. God is. God is spirit. And so he holds all the tools. But what is our role? Our role is to take up our position in Christ. Now you are one with the triumphant one. When we come and commune with the supper, we're saying... We are joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like he's over there and you're over here. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And too often, Christians make a bifurcation and say, Well, I'm over here and I need God's help. When in fact, Paul's been preaching, No, stand in Christ. Stay in your position. And the enemy cannot defeat you because Jesus, as we've sung all morning, has already defeated the evil one on your behalf. But if you wander out of position and say, it's me and Jesus, you're in dangerous territory. Well, I know all the scriptures, so I'm going to fire them all off in there. Dangerous territory. <coughs> to learn uh, what your position is in Christ. When I was a youth pastor, I realized to be a successful youth pastor, you just take the teaching how to have a clean mind and give it 52 different titles, and you can preach that all the time, and you'll, you'll get results because they struggle so much. In the church, it's the same thing. Why do we have communion every Sunday? To remind you that this is your position. You're in Christ. Don't rush out in your arrogance or your impudence and try to do something for Jesus and lose that position. It's not you and Jesus. It's you in Christ. 
Over and over and over again, we're told about he's a strong tower. You're hidden with Christ and God. Now, it takes humility to understand this. Because I'm going to go get the devil and I'm going to go do this for Jesus. And I'm going to, oh, really? The first thing you do is take your position, stay in your position. You can fight from that position. But if you are looking for any badge of glory or some kind of rank up your rank because you did something for God, you're missing the point completely. So take up our position in Christ. You are the one. You are one with the triumphant one over all evil. It's interesting, the Jews uh, in their writings, they never addressed evil spirits. Their response to evil in the world was to run to God, obey him, and do his will. That's how they fought against principalities and powers in their day. And now the, the, the position has been complete by being in Christ. And we still wander from that position thinking we can do things in Jesus' name. Remember the seven sons of Sceva who went out and thinking, I went to Bible college. I got a couple of verses. Of my, watch me do this. And they got their lights knocked out. But they knew who Paul was because Paul's major message, his major revelation is what it means to be united to Christ. That's his major. If you're reading Paul, I don't get it. Look for that always because that's what he's communicating. Who are you in Christ? Okay, so let's look at the armor because we like this and it's all Sunday school books and kids for Halloween will dress up like it. Uh, Paul describes what being one with Christus Victor is like. And he's using the Roman soldier. So he says, uh, the belt is truth. The breastplate is righteousness. The shoes is the gospel. The shield is faith. The helmet is salvation. And the sword is the word of God. This is where Paul again says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood, but divine power to destroy strongholds. So let's look at each one quite quickly and just see how, what it represents for us. I'll start off by saying there is no armor for the back of the Roman soldier. That is because if he retreated, he would be killed by his own general. The Roman soldiers were taught, always face the enemy and always press forward. If you turn your back or you leave the phalanx, which was the giant line that they produced, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, you will be killed either by me, that is the general who's watching all this happen to me, or the enemy. And that's why there's no armor described in the back is because Paul is saying, I expect you to press forward all the time in this standing, never to retreat. So uh, the belt, most ancients wore robes, as you know. If one needed to move quickly, they would gather up their robes uh, from the middle of their legs and pull them up through a heavy leather belt so they could run swiftly. You can't run swiftly when things are dangling around your legs. Got it? So the belt was communicating the need to be ready and to be swift with the truth. Uh, For instance, in the office, somebody says at the water cooler, I will never serve a God who abuses his own son on the cross. That's out there, you know. They're calling God a, a, a child beater because of what he did to Jesus. They're communicating that. So when you hear that, soldier, be ready. 
and say, no, you are wrong. Jesus willingly submitted himself to the cross to take the penalty of our sin for our behalf. And you got the gospel right there. Well, I don't know if they'll listen to me. So what? What if they punch me in the nose? Good. It means you're getting somewhere. Do you hide in the closet and do your Bible study? I, I was asked to visit a Baptist group years ago in an office, and I said, where do you have your study? Where, where I mean, in the supply closet. I said, I'm not being in the supply closet. Let's meet right out in the middle of the office. Let's oh, no, we could never do that. We'll be fired. We, we don't want them to know fully what we represent. I said, I'm not coming. So it saved me a trip. <laughs> that, that's... Live your life. You're standing in this position, not just to fight one day, but all the time. So you're in Christ always. And we should be communicating that. That's, that's what evangelism is. Breastplate. It's righteousness. The breastplate protected vital organs. Uh, abide in Christ. Get rid of sin quickly so it does not corrupt your heart and make you easy prey for the devil. Proverbs 4.23 Three, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. To be ready on all occasions to be a good soldier, to be a good citizen of heaven, to give God glory. Keep flushing out your heart. Keep, that's why we confess sin. It'll be forgiven you. But do short accounts. Get rid of sin quickly. Uh, if you had a spot on your arm, they said, it's cancer. You would say, get, out, get it out now. Uh, get it out now. Do whatever you have to do to get it out now because you know what cancer does, right? It grows. Well, you should do the same thing even quicker with sin. Get it out now because I'm going to fight every day of my life. And if I allow this corruption to start coming over me, I'll get weaker and weaker. And I'll forget really what my stand is. And then I be, could be devoured. So Proverbs 4.23, if you're going to get a tattoo, get that one. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's talk about the feet. All former soldiers in here know what I'm talking about. You're told to protect your feet at all times. The, biggest, the greatest thing that was distributed amongst the soldiers in both world wars were clean socks to keep their feet. Because you can't move if your feet are injured. You can't fulfill your duty. You can't do your mission. The, the, the feet fitted is with the gospel. Roman soldiers were fitted with thick sandals or boots to pr pr protect their feet. They could move swiftly on the ground, not looking down, afraid to step on something because their feet were protected. I wrote down, if their feet were not protected, they could not carry out their mission. So what's the spiritual attachment here? Don't look down while presenting the gospel, afraid to step on other people's toes. No. Always look up. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Talk about Jesus all the time. We talk about people we love all the time. You know, we have 11 grandchildren, and uh, when the topic comes up, I'm ready to show pictures and talk about it because I love them so much. Now, we love Jesus even more, but we don't talk about him. Why is that? What is evangelism? Let's have a six-week course. Evangelism is talking about Jesus. That's all it is. Offer prayer all the time. And in my 42 years of war, maybe more than that, I have never had anyone turn down prayer, ever, one time. Or said, get out of here, you fanatic. Not one time. And I don't wear a collar or anything like that to distinguish me. I never tell them I'm a, I'm a pastor. And then I just say, I'm a Christian, may I pray for you? They always receive it. Buddhist, uh, 
other pagan people, guys with things all in their... When I was in England, these people were decorated more than the Americans are. Right? It was spiked hair and tattoos in their neck. And one guy had his name. He, did, he, did his, he sewed his name in his neck by himself. Good thing his name was Rod. I mean, he had a long... <laughs> but in any case, we just talked to him about Jesus, these guys. Never one time were we assaulted, ran out, pushed down. Never, not one time. So it's a myth that says, oh, I don't know. I'm going to, this will be the results. Forget the results. Leave that to the Lord. Always talk about Jesus and always look up. So walk without fear that you're going to stumble over something or fall on something. Never keep your head down, but keep it up to, to boldly proclaim the gospel. Be strong in the Lord. God will order your steps. Be bold, not fearful against wickedness. The shield, important, important weapon, was faith. Shields were rectangular for the soldiers. They were about six to eight feet tall, and they marched, marched in close quarter. With their shields up, they were nearly impenetrable. You've seen it in movies where they all get in rank like this, and they just all start coming forward like this. Now, it's fascinating. Paul, in his mind, he's talking about the church here. We tend to always individualize what he's saying here, and it is individual application. But as a church, we need to, if somebody's shield starts to fall, we need to be right next to them with our shield so the arrows can't get them. Well, that's what we pay you for. No, no, no. We're the army of God. We're those people. Yes. We've got to protect one another at all times. That's right. And I say, well, it's not happening to me, or I'm just looking after my little. No, no, no. It's too late. You're in the body of Christ. This is why church is important. Now, if you were the enemy, what would you sow into the modern church? It's not important. Just watch it on TV. Just get your little fix, and you're good. No, we, we come together because we are together. God has put us here together. And so what affects you affects me. And so you need my shield put up, I'll put my shield up for you until you're strong enough to hold yours again. And that's for all of us, not just the ministry staff. And that's what the church really is. When in a phalanx, the Roman soldiers would line up their shields, and honestly, nobody could break through their line. But a lone soldier was normally killed by the enemy. I've been doing this for 42 years plus now, and I have noted, it didn't take me a long time to realize that the ones who get picked off the most are the people who aren't part of the flock. They're not part of the body. They, they come to church, which means to them a meeting for an hour and a half, and then they go their way. And they get picked off. Those are the people that took up the lion's portion of all of our time in helping. And that's why, again, church is so important to stay knitted to one another. Because if you wander off on your own, the enemy will see that, and he'll try to pick you off. Because he sees you don't have your shield up, and there's no other shields around you. Psalm 84, you, O God, are my son and my shield. Spiritually, ours is the shield of faith. That is trust in the living God. That's what the shield represents. So we can we can defend ourselves against fiery darts. These are, for us, accusations hurled against us by the evil one. Uh, the archers, of course, were the most terrible ones to defend. Usually they were up high. So you could use your shield to 
put it over the top of you or put it down in front of you. And especially from the archers, you've seen them in the movies, um, they would kill people right, left, and center who weren't protected overhead. And so the shields for the Romans were uh, regularly oiled so that arrows, etc., would glance off their shield and fall to the ground. And so what's the spiritual reality here? Stay full of the Holy Ghost in your struggle against darkness. Don't just get a douse on Sunday morning and gut it out the rest of the week. There are spiritual realities going on all the time. And so we have to stay alert. We have to stay prepared. We have to stay fully equipped. Um, In our struggle against darkness, uh, I put down here, let his filthy arrows glance off of you because you are properly oiled. You like that? And that comes from an Italian man. We're properly oiled. My my great-grandfather used to drink a pint of olive oil every morning before breakfast. A half a pint. He died at the age of 92 with jet black hair and his hairline started here. You know why Italians don't have freckles, right? They slide off. Now, see, you can tell jokes about yourself, but you can't, right? Okay, we'll stop there. But this is being oiled with the Holy Ghost. Are you irritable? Are you hard to be with? Are you like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz? Every day when you wake up, first thing you just call and go, oil, tin man. And get those limbs loose and get those attitudes checked, right? And stay full of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to communicate here. Finally, uh, the helmet of salvation. Of course, the helmet protected the head. Satan's battle is for your mind. Remind him that when he assaults you, that you are saved by Jesus, protected by Jesus, and preserved by Jesus. I say this often, and I know I do, but that's why we have the table here, so that you will say inside yourself and carry it with you all week, I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Nothing is going to harm you outside of God's providence with that understanding. No enemy can take you down because the devil will come and he can't find anything you because he has to look through Jesus. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon. Jesus used the word of God, of course, to disarm Satan. Satan himself. Now understand this. Satan is a good theologian. He just doesn't love God. But he knows the Bible and he knows who God is. And he'll, he'll, he'll twist it and use it against us. That's what he did to Jesus. This is why it's important to know your Bible. J.I. Packer says this, to know the Bible is to know God. Well, I don't feel like going to that paradigm or Bible study. I'm too tired. I worked all day. No, fill yourself with the Word of God. We're putting it out for you to eat, to build, to, 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 because the enemy every day is looking to pick you off. And so we need you eating sound food and good food, not just podcasts that get you all jumped up or hyped up about different things, and it fades by noon. Um, It's heartbreaking for me to see many Christians crushed by the evil one because they don't know who God is or their word or his word. They just know platitudes. They know a plaque quote. That's it. Do you know that the enemy laughs at all those things? You can't defeat a guy like Satan with a quote from a plaque. (laughs) It's not going to work. 
But you must come to know God. And it's progressive. It takes time. It doesn't happen in a, a leap. Well, I'll put a tape under my head at night. and It'll sort of assimilate my brain. No, that's not going to work. Come to all the Bible studies that are offered. Study, listen, pray. You don't have to become a scholar. You don't have to get letters after your name. But be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might by feeding on the word of God. Again, that's the power of the church, the ministry of the truth. Some are beat on the head, I wrote down here, with wicked thoughts from the devil over all week long. They come to the Sabbath meeting with nothing but dents in their helmets because they don't know how to wield the word of God like a sword. And so it, the next thing that's coming is praying at all times. That's coming up. Now, how do you do that? It's, 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 a, it's staying in the word of God. But here's, the, here's what comes to me, okay? I'm a fan of pugilism. Uh, the ladies don't like it when I give illustrations. The men love it. But I'm a, I've been a fan of boxing since I was 12 years old because I listened to fights on the radio with my grandpa, and it did something to me. It was such an endearing time to be with my grandpa, but I also learned the... Uh, art and science of uh, the sweet science. In any case, you watch boxers today, and if you don't establish your jab in the first round, you're going to get clocked. The guy with the best jab is usually the winner of every contest. See, that's not exciting. What's exciting is the inside punch, and some guy goes down. No, no, no. Real boxing is points and all the rest of that stuff. But if you have a good jab, you keep him at bay. He can't ever get to, you're sticking and moving. He constantly, he can't get any, he can't mount anything because you're keeping him off. Same thing of your heart filled with the word of God, talking about the word all day. It's like a jab. It's like, stay off me. You're not going to get me. I'm not going to listen to your lies. I'm not taking an attitude. I'm not going to be like that. Do you see that? That's what praying at all times means. It just means stay full of the word of God. That's all it means. Do a devotion in the morning. Meditate on something godly. And the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance whenever you're in the situation. And that's how you fight, is with the Word of God. Uh, <clears throat> you keep, okay. Keeps the devil off of you, I say, by constantly poking him with the Word. For instance, the Bible says, uh, I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God because I'm in Christ Jesus. And that's like saying, back off, devil. Uh, the Bible says, I'm a new creation. I don't think like you, devil, anymore. The Bible says to cast all my cares upon Jesus because he cares for me. I'm not going to obsess over this situation. I'm going to give it to the Lord. So you obsess over a situation. You know, that's a form of unbelief. You understand that. We're told to cast all our cares upon the Lord. Well, I, I can do it. I, I, I. That's called pride. Everybody, okay, uncross your arms, everybody. I'm your friend. I love you. Too many crossed arms in the auditorium. Now that you have the full armor of God on, you're sure and confident you're standing in Christ. It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is staying in constant communication with your commanding officer. How important is that, ex-soldiers in here? How important is that to stay in touch with your overseer, your commander, what do you want me to achieve in this mission? Are we doing it? What do you want me to do next? By the way, this little thing here, 
pray in the spirit on all occasions. It doesn't mean pray in tongues. It means to pray in concert with the Holy Spirit in your prayers. Pray the word constantly. Let it fill your mind and your heart. Years ago in the charismatic movement, we used to sing the scriptures. And that's how I learned a lot of things in the beginning. And now we just sing about God. We don't sing the direct scriptures sometimes. And I think that's a bit of a loss that we've suffered. Because us new, us new babies in the 70s, we, were, we would sing the word of God. I, that's why I sing in my car. You know, I still worship with those things. I can't do these complicated ones with five million words. I can't do it. But you sing the scriptures, something groups, something's there, and then I'll start preaching on the scripture to myself. Okay, let's move on. You're all very staring at me. Turn off your radio and your sports program and do that in your car. You got a lot of car time. Stop entertaining yourself. Fill yourself. Preach yourself happy. You don't need to call a prayer line or any of these kind of things. You got all the tools right there that you need. You're fully equipped with all the armor you need. Go at it. Find somebody weaker than you and throw your shield over them. All right, verse 18, I like this one. Keep alert with all perseverance. That's it. You see, if we get sluggish and we get all sluggy and we just, oh, I don't know, I, this whole church, I, Jesus, you know I love you. We get all sluggish. No, it says stay alert. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, your adversary, the devil, prowls around seeking someone to devour. Well, I don't know if I believe that. All right. Wait till the midnight hour when everything's collapsed, and then call us, and we'll try to dig you out. But be alert. What's happening here? Where did that attitude come from? Do I need, I need to get rid of that right now. I'm not going to think about that. I need to forgive this brother right now so I don't start developing a corrupt heart. And you move quickly in the things of God. Again, that's why we have the table here, so you'll be reminded if you wait all the way to Sunday, at least deal with it on Sunday. But if you let it harbor, your heart will become bitter. How many of you know bitter people? They're really tough to be around. It says they, they ruin everything. Bitter people ruin everything. They're diff the most difficult people on the planet, aren't they? Holding grudges? So let's finish this up. What do we do? Number one, stand in Christ who has already won the victory through his cross, resurrection over sin, Satan, the world, and the flesh. He's already won. You're in him. Stay there. That's abide. Number two, realize you are fully equipped in Christ like full armor to defeat the devil when he targets you or your children. Number three, never give up, never surrender. Now, that's from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I just... <laughs> I, Molly says, don't recommend movies. But this one, watch it. It's really a, my, favorite, my favorite moment I wait for is the monk guy. The guy who played monk. He gets that water vapor thing. He goes, oh, he, you know what he says. Anyhow, this is what comes to mind when I'm preparing these things. The Bible and then the Galaxy Quest. Never give up, never surrender. If you are a sheep and are a sheep of God and are threatened or attacked by a wolf, the chief shepherd will rise up and destroy the predator 
and save the sheep of his pasture. You're not alone. You're not there to figure all this out on your own. Be wise and stop being so proud and give it to God. Ask for counsel. Bring other shields around you and defeat the enemy as an army. But your chief shepherd is totally aware, always, of what's transpiring in your life. He may have even sent that predator so that you'll learn how to use these weapons and be strong so that you can be strong for others. And that's how you build the church. But you're never, ever gutting it out alone. So don't just collapse and give up. Find somebody who understands these things. Ask them to disciple you. uh, Get around them. Call for some, some other people to protect you. And then be strong yourself. Don't remain in that position. And by all means, learn who you are in Christ on a daily basis. And so I'll finish with verses 23 and 24 of Ephesians 6. This is what the Lord wants for you out of spiritual warfare. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is where we can create even shalom in our lives. Peace by being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And before the whole earth is filled with shalom, because that's the goal you can experience in the here and now by implementing the weapons of your warfare that God has already entrusted to you. But please, my friends, if you haven't heard anything, stay in the Lord, abide in the Christ, and it'll go well for you. Let's all stand.